Hello everyone and welcome to Society. My name is Andrea and I'm the founder, host, and producer of this podcast. Since this is the first episode, I'm going to introduce myself and this podcast and then I'll go into the first topic of the show which is the scientific method. So a little bit about myself, I'm a fourth year university student studying biochemistry and chemistry. I graduate this June. Woo! <laughs> I also work at a pharmaceutical company and volunteer at a chemistry research lab on campus. In my free time, and sometimes also while studying, I binge watch a lot of shows, listen to music, and more recently I started reading for fun again. I got the idea of starting a podcast from Haley Williams, vocalist of the genre neutral band Paramore. Now I know she's not a scientist, but the motto slash slogan of her hair dye company, Good Dye Young, is expression is survival. And as a part of this mission of self-expression, Haley and her business partner Brian started a blog called Strands where people could have an outlet to submit writings, pictures, and whatnot. And this really resonated with me. So, I'm not artistic and have zero talent, but I came to the conclusion that self-expression doesn't have to be art, music, or hair or makeup related at all. I can express myself through any form I choose just as long as I feel like I'm getting my point across and communicating with others. And that's when I got the idea of starting a podcast. But then I was quickly faced with the question of what my podcast is going to be about. So after spending last summer looking for some inspiration, I decided I wanted my podcast to focus on science communication. I had come to the conclusion that Scientists are really good at communicating with each other, but when it comes to communicating with someone who doesn't have a background in science, things can get, I guess for lack of a better term, difficult. Most people with a PhD spend five or more years studying a certain aspect of their field, which makes them extremely comfortable with their material, which is amazing, but... After studying something for so long, some of the science may seem easy or trivial to them, but not to others. Even students who are in the middle of their academic careers have trouble communicating with peers or professors who have multiple degrees. For example, whenever I try to read a paper for an assignment or for research, I usually have to read the paper at least two to three times to really get something out of it. And I feel like this really turns people off from science because they usually think if they can't understand something, then it's hard and untouchable. But science doesn't have to be that way. Even people without a background should be able to have some understanding of the importance the research scientists are working so hard on. After all, it affects all of our lives. Scientific research, it has a huge influence on our food, makeup, pharmaceuticals, health, and even our environment. Therefore, I feel like everyone should be able to understand and know the importance research has on our lives.
And obviously, I am not an expert, but I figured that by focusing on science communication and trying to break down important topics such as climate change or how pharmaceuticals get approved so that the average person can understand would be a great start to slightly increasing science communication and literacy. So I really hope that all of you who tune in will listen with an open mind and hopefully learn something new or get inspired to do some research of your own and get informed about the amazing contributions scientists are making to society. And with that being said, let's move on to our first topic, the scientific method. So I'm kind of going to take this back to the basics. If you ever took a science class in elementary school, middle school, high school, you probably learned about the scientific method before you went on to learning any material you were going to be tested on. The scientific method is really important because it can be applied to more than just the STEM fields. And by following this method, you can avoid pseudoscience. And pseudoscience is based on biases, obviously doesn't follow the scientific method, and it really has no evidence to back up any claims made by it. So some examples of a pseudoscience are astrology and conspiracy theories. None of these theories or claims are based off evidence gathered by using the scientific method, and they often come from conjecture, paranoia, or really just by word of mouth. The scientific method, on the other hand, is an empirical method that is used to collect evidence and ultimately come to a conclusion. So first, there has to be a question. This question usually comes from an observation like, how can I fix this? Or why is the sky blue? Most researchers turn to previous experiments, publications, or even personal experiences. Next, a hypothesis has to be formed based on the knowledge known from forming the question. And most importantly, a hypothesis has to be testable, meaning that it can be proven or disproven. Following a hypothesis, predictions have to be made that can contribute to logical consequences of the hypothesis. So if you think back to your schooling days, this is essentially multiple if and then statements. And after coming up with some predictions, it's time to move into testing. Testing can be carried out by performing experiments, and that can determine if the observations and hypothesis made are true. But just because an experiment aligns with a hypothesis doesn't mean the hypothesis is true. So this is why it's suggested to also perform experiments with variables and controls that can make the hypothesis doubtful. Now, this is really important because you want to make sure that your hypothesis comes out true in almost any situation. And this experiment also needs to be replicated several times in order to assure precision and accuracy. Now, once the results of the experiments prove or disprove a hypothesis, usually some form of statistical analysis, such as 
standard deviation is done in order to compare results and determine if more tested more tests need to be done or a new hypothesis is needed. Now I'm not going to go into the math of it because I feel like explaining math by word of mouth is very difficult, but it's something that you can easily look up on Google or if you have an old math or stats textbook lying around or even an analytical testing book around, it's something you can easily um, look up yourself. That's probably the extent of the scientific method that's taught in schools, but researchers have additional steps that need to be completed in order to have their findings published. Most researchers will write a paper detailing their observations, hypothesis, methods, materials, and results. Typically, papers are broken up into sections labeled abstract, which is a summary, an introduction, methods, results, discussion, and conclusion. Now, if they want their paper to be published in a journal, it has to be peer-reviewed. Essentially, peer review means that other scientists or researchers with knowledge of the field of the research evaluate the paper to ensure that it's reasonable and logical before it's published. You kind of want to make sure that your peers also agree with what you're putting out and what your results state because you don't want anyone thinking that you're putting out alternative facts or fake news. <laughs> but, unfortunately, if you want to read a scientific journal, <clears throat> most of them require you to pay for a subscription, which really sucks. But there are still ways to access articles from journals. If you're a university student, chances are you already have access to journals just by being connected to your university's Wi-Fi, VPN, or maybe there are some printed versions in your institution's library. There are also a few academic search engines that offer free access that you can use without being a university student, such as Google Scholar, ScienceDirect, PubMed, National Agricultural Library, and the Education Resources Information Center. Also, agencies such as NASA, National Institutes of Health, and the FDA offer access to publications, resources, and other reliable sources available to the public. That pretty much concludes the first episode of Society. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to subscribe or follow on Spotify or whatever platform you're listening on. For updates, please follow on Instagram or Twitter at SocietyThePod all lowercase, and please feel free to slide into the DMs if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, and I'll see you guys next month with our new episode. Thank you.